into positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no, no. to come on the car are we in Boston? <laughs> we are not in Boston. This is probably like... Uh, we are far westerly of Boston. Yeah. yeah, where are we? Oh, we're in Connecticut. Yep. Capital of Connecticut. Hartford There's the Connecticut Science Center. Bring them back. Bring them back. Whalers. Bring them back. Should, shouldn't be it. illegal. Bring back the sun. We could Bring use back their the oil. Sun, their WNBA team. Okay. Uh, we'll lay down that theme song, baby. It's the Car Canvas cast, and you're here with your friends, talking around while we're driving around. What do we see? What do we do? It's the Car Canvas cast, and we're here for you. All right. That was our new theme song. That was the Reverend Jeremiah Wright. That was the other <laughs> speech he gave. It was about podcasting car in cars. He gave. He's not dead. Less uh, popular, for sure. <laughs> Podcasting in cars with Kratom. This is yes, Andrew's new what I'm doing. Seinfeld-esque show. Uh, <laughs> it's just Andrew's crashing cars. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome uh, to comedians and cars on heroin. Yeah. <laughs> this week we got uh, we got we got we got. We got. He's uh, just with Russell Brand, who's <laughs> acting oh, normal. Oh shit! Wake up! Oh fuck! <laughs> oh no! Oh no! <laughs> I uh, first order of business before we even start the show. If you are a paramedic and you're listening to this after we're dead because we crashed the car, please upload this to SoundCloud.com/slash/PodDamnAmerica. This is our last request. Yeah, <laughs> it's probably not going to happen, but it'd be really cool if it did. Um, we are. We should, you probably shouldn't be. We're not using a handheld device. There's an entire podcasting rig, like in a studio, inside of this. Uh, what is this, like a Prius? This, uh, I'm glad you asked, Jake. This is a factory gray 2010 Prius. You're getting an average of 60 miles to the gallon. You only got to change the oil every once in a blue moon, and it keeps on trucking. Have we used electricity on this trip? We're using it right Andrews, now. What? <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? Have we used electricity? Doesn't it switch from gas oh, power to... Oh, in the car. Charge. I yeah. thought you meant us as a group. Oh, yeah. Well, it's been... It's been <laughs> Shabbos, so no. No, we can't because it's Shabbos. But uh, the car is hybrid; it is not fully electric, and for that reason, we have not only used electricity. I, we, we've okay, used partial electricity. Yeah. Uh, um, I don't remember. What I was going to say I'm driving. Yeah, you should probably concentrate on that. All right, let me know yeah, when you need an Alex. opinion. Car <laughs> podcast. Um, I just want to say I feel like I'm riding on a cloud. Prius, the official sponsor of our. Uh, Anarcho-primitivist podcast about the Unabomber. Um, <laughs> Let's introduce our guest. Hell yeah, damn America! All right, I am Jake Flores. Uh, Alex Patak is driving the car. Hong Kong didn't do it for real. I don't want to confuse people. Anders Lee is here. <laughs> Anders Lee here on uh, Road Damn America. Yeah, on uh, Pod 
uh, I'll come up with something later. I can't think of a clever yeah. word. Pod round America. We're not doing car canvas. Pod round America. <laughs> After I wrote and performed a song for it. Yeah, car, <laughs> car canvas. Oh, okay, what sure. What about pod drive America? Something like that. Um, that starts with a D. That's Kate Willett from Reply Guys. Hello. Hey, welcome to the show. Okay, welcome to the car. Our, our Patreon oh, pa- thank you. subscribers have requested a little more Kate as a treat. Yeah, I don't. They can have a little more in my life. That's so you're back, but you're only allowed to be on our secret show, so people don't know that we associate with uh, feminists. It's fine. It's 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 cool. I can speak my mind because uh, no feminists are behind this paywall, so I can uh, be honest about my still feminist yet slightly more problematic beliefs. It's probably a safe assumption. I've met some of our patrons in real life. To balance out Kate, we will be casting with the Hells Angels coming up. Mm-hmm. Don't miss that. <laughs> uh, and Jeremy Hammond from Balling Out Super, welcome back. Hey, had a great weekend of doing targeted harassment against women in support of Bernie Sanders. We Hey, good news, just passed a cop and we're clear to go. <laughs> we love to see it. No, we canvassed. It was so great. I loved it. <laughs> we are podcasting in a car because we're on our way back from New Hampshire where we just went out to go canvas for Bernie and cause uh, targeted harassment against, you know, uh, everyone. Pete fans, Warren fans, we got got into a fight in a diner. Uh, all sorts of things happened. So let's get let's get into it. Let's tell some stories from canvassing. Who would like to start? Who's going to shift into first gear here? I'll 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 talk to I'll talk about our canvassing experience today. Okay, let's kick this off. Well, we I'll talk about uh, uh, should I start with a positive one or a negative one? Well, just to uh, explain where we're coming from. Me and Kate on the first day were, we paired up with each other because they put you off in pairs. Um, we tried to organize the pairs so that everyone's personal character traits would be balanced out by yeah, another person's personal character character traits. And I thought that Jake's intense Bernie bro energy would be balanced out by my small feminist Bernie broad energy. No, we're a good sales team. Because <laughs> we were trying to cancel out each other's failings as people. Yeah. <laughs> we're like... Well, and the, yeah. do, you, yes. do you like Bernie Sanders? Do you like feminism? Oh, do you hate it? We got someone for that, too. <laughs> Kate and That's Jake I, doing the classic good cop, trash cop routine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And me and Alice but, doing the good cop, extremely loud cop routine. <laughs> <laughs> Hello! Do you, what kind of podcast do you like? <laughs> do you know about Joe Rogan? <laughs> uh. And, um, yeah, so Jake and I went canvassing yesterday, which was, you know, which was very sweet because uh, during Rog of Life, Jake and I were not friends, uh, nor was I particularly enthusiastic about <laughs> Bernie Sanders or his supporters or I, this podcast. Dare I say enemies. Yeah, and you know, so I think symbolically it just proved the, the unifying power of Bernie Sanders, you know? A real Power Rangers Green Ranger to White Ranger yeah, phenomenon. Yeah, but so we decided... We decided to to share this, this good uniting news with uh, students in a dorm yesterday. Uh, we were assigned to some student housing and Jake and I knocked on... This is the on, good story? Yeah. The, <laughs> no, I'll tell the good story after. Okay, okay. This is the bad one. Um, so Jake and I were assigned to this dorm, and we knocked on a lot of the doors. We had, like, a big list of, uh, like, maybe 67 apartments that we were supposed to knock on, but, like, everyone had moved, so 
after a while, we just started knocking. Yeah, I want to clear something up because something about this story, uh, since we put it on Twitter and stuff, people have been saying like, oh my God, they're going to sink the Bernie campaign because they're out there doing SJW stuff and ruining Bernie's base, which is the Cumtown subreddit. And, uh, you know, they're like, uh, somebody tweeted at me and they were like, you're not supposed to be in a fucking dorm. No, it was a, a off-campus student apartment complex. Okay, okay. We're here with and the Bernie Sanders campaign. He, him, no clapping. We're here with the Bernie Sanders campaign. We are here to end uh, all education. <laughs> but uh, what the other thing about it is that dorms are like that people switch rooms so yeah. often that when you get when you canvas, they give you uh, addresses with the uh, you know the names of people who have signed up for. Uh, you know, or pledged to vote for Bernie and things like that, but because a dorm, you know, you, you go up to somebody's room and someone moved out of there six months ago, it's really difficult to go by the book, and so uh, we just knocked on a few doors that we weren't sure, you know, whether the person lived there or not, but figured if somebody answers, it's a damn college kid, we could just talk to him about Bernie. Yeah. College kids are supposed to like Bernie. We see in polls that, you know, theoretically 40... 50%, sometimes I've seen into the high 50s of college age people like Bernie Sanders. So, but that was not our experience yesterday. We knocked on the door of a bunch of places and, you know, we, we did have some success. There were some Bernie supporters in there. But after a while, Jake and I, I think, both noticed this phenomenon where whenever a white woman answered the door, <laughs> uh, the they would be like, oh, um, I don't. I have kind of like a personal belief that I don't uh, talk about politics with people ever, and we're just—it was just like clear, like voting Trump. for Trump energy. And I felt so. And sorry about my. Uh, Trump, Trump I get. I sorry about my uh, offensive Trump white woman imitation. I guess I could have just talked in my own voice because yeah. I am also a white woman. But I wanted to convey. But anyway, after a while, I started feeling very embarrassed about uh, the state of white women it made me realize actually you know why yeah why you know jake was perhaps so against uh white women in the days that we did not get along i could see where the hate was coming from you see where i'm coming from right yeah but then so finally so finally we knocked on a door of this guy uh who said uh, the yang gang and him and his roommate came and listened to our spiel about how yang probably wasn't going to be viable in new hampshire and I think they even asked us questions about Bernie Sanders for a while. We probably talked to them for like 10 minutes, a while. And then we heard them close the door and uh, or they closed the door. And then we heard them behind the door talking about how me and Jake were losers. They wanted to punch Jake in the face. Here, here's exactly and how this, I would this say lady this one would, down. wouldn't stop talking. I mean, which I think hurt me all day because it's like that is a fair assessment. I am a lady who won't stop talking, and Jake <laughs> does have a punchable face. So it was like they were right on, but like fuck them anyway. Yeah, here's how I would say this went down in my memory. Right, we knocked on this door. This guy opened, and he was smiling. And you know, we were saying, "Hey, we're with Bernie. Yada yada yada. Does this person live here?" He goes, oh, "They don't." And uh, and then he go and then we're like okay well then you know are you voting he goes yes we go, you know do you, do you mind if we ask for who do you mind if we talk to you yada 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 and he's smiling the whole time and it occurred to me afterwards that he was 
not smiling. He was grinning, which is like two different things. He was like very Have you ever much, seen The Grinch? Yeah, he, was, he looked like The Grinch. A lot of the way The Grinch will contort his face is actually not a reflection of happiness at all, and is instead an expression of wicked anti-Christmas fervor. That's exactly what was happening, because he hates Santa Claus, who is Bernie Sanders. Okay, so he was, you know, like, yeah, sure, I'll talk to you, but he's, he told us up front... He was a Yang guy, and so we talked. Yang affiliated. We talked to him a little bit. Showed you his tattoos about Yang's campaign. Sort of dovetails in certain ways with what we're trying to do with Bernie and how you know this coalition could be a good idea and yada yada yada. And he fucking let us talk and went back and forth with us. And then there was like a second guy who just looked like an Adam Devine character with like hair gel spiked yeah, up he was and really shit shitty. in the back. And he was like. He came by and he, he was sort of behind the guy and he was like, you know, well, uh, you know, I, I'm going to vote, um, but I, I live in another state or I'm from another state or whatever. And we're like, oh, you can do an absentee ballot or you can register tomorrow and all this shit. And uh, here's what happened in my memory. Like, we went, all right, man, well, cool. Thanks for letting us talk to you. And then we shut the door and then we turned to knock at the door that was immediately next to it. And I turned to Kate and I was like, I think that went pretty well. And then I heard, like, muffled, like, from far behind a door, just like, Jesus fucking Christ! I hated those people. <laughs> and the guy's like, she would not stop talking, and I wanted to punch that guy's lights out. <laughs> I mean, which, by the way, it's like, that is the vibe from both of us. <laughs> I don't know, man. I thought we were, we're no, on I thought our we were better being behavior. really nice, and also it was just like. I've said but more I think punchable for us, things. I think for us, it was for both of us, at least for me, there was a huge. Uh, there was a little bit of an, an ego, like, ow, because it's like, I think of myself as being like a cool adult, and I like <laughs> to think of like, you know, okay, I'm like a comic, I like, uh, you know, socialism and drugs and friends and podcasting or whatever. I like to think that a college student would be like, oh, this lady's cool, you know, but not at all, actually. Uh, some of the kids suck. They probably thought we were cops or something. Yeah. I want to point something out Maybe about this. Maybe it can be cool to reach out to your community. But then later, t you know, so yesterday was like kind of a hard day. There was like a guy, a 2016 Bernie voter who was thinking about uh, switching to Buddha Judge and... Uh, there was like a, there was a couple other people that were like, I the few people that we talked to, I think were kind of undecided still, and definitely more people considering the rat than we wanted there to be. But then today, Alex and I went out canvassing, and Alex and I, you know, we we're a more wholesome team. It was Alex and I as a team. It's a real good cop, good cop situation, right. even though neither of us believe in cops. But it's like we don't believe in cops. Kate was there to bring like the message. She's very approachable. She's very small. You're not. You're like I can put Kate in my pocket and let her tell me what she's here to say. I was an evangelical Christian as a teen, and it's it's still fucking in me. That <laughs> and like then I was like oh yeah, big, that hardcore evangelical energy, yeah. sharing the good news. I was I'm, like a big tough guy though. Like people were seeing me and they were like, "Who's this tough guy?" That's definitely what he's was yeah. got a, He's got a hat on. He's got a red hoodie. I think that's a gang color. Don't so, let Alex lie to you. But so we had a good time because I do you know uh, these these older people. They saw a cool photo. Were thinking <laughs> were very torn, but they were 2016 Bernie voters, and uh, they were torn between Bernie and Tom Steyer. And I think we sold them on Bernie. We got them to think about the fact that the young people were with 
Bernie and uh, you know obviously of course Tom Steyer probably isn't viable but you know Kate they did all of the talking and she was so convincing and nice and then I talked for like three seconds and because they were like I don't know for uh, maybe somebody younger could be Tom Steyer and I was just like that's not even a real option you dumb old bitches we, yeah, we went th- around New Hampshire and told everyone that Tom Steyer is a divorced man <laughs> <laughs> which we have been saying on this podcast for months and it turns out he's not <laughs> yeah it's just like it's I, I think that here's the thing I feel like when uh, leftists talk about New Hampshire as you know a state that Sanders won in 2016 I feel like in a lot of the conversations there been, there's been an assumption that uh, he'll get those same voters back and because he won in 2016 he'll just kind of you know have a, an easy time here and I, I don't think it'll be an easy time actually like I he's you know he's ahead in the polls and I certainly uh, think that he has an, a great shot that's probably what will happen but you know I think that people uh, it's really good that so many people are are working really hard because there's way more uh, apolitical kind of not very informed folks than it's you know than you would think that there right. would be and they're not like socialists like I think they voted for Bernie because I don't know why people voted for Bernie in 16 necessarily but it doesn't you know I think a lot of it was like you know nice trustworthy authentic and not like necessarily committed leftist politics or something well, like that this is the, the story of hell. the trip though there's also a give him hell aspect to him that I think you know that's a big thing in New Hampshire. Is yeah, they just absolutely. want somebody that like, and a lot of these states, Maine. I was talking to someone in Maine, and they're saying like, all the people this guy knows in Maine are either Bernie or Trump. Bernie mm-hmm. or Trump. They just want someone with fire in the belly who's gonna like, you know, piss off the system. And and one of the people I had, uh, my swing, my swingiest swing voter was someone who's probably not gonna vote because he said the electoral college, you know, that's basically going to make my vote not matter right so i had tried to try and convince him like this is the best middle finger you can give to the system is by voting for bernie sanders and he said if he did vote it would be for bernie but we'll see if he actually does yeah we will know we probably won't the day that we had in Keene around like the college in that area was very disheartening for me because the polls showed bernie up so high and then everyone we talked to seemed to be this weird vague yeah uh, and and i think that so many people were still undecided which we you know we could be like we don't know who was on our list right yeah and the but but what i'm getting at is distinctly different from one another where like where we were canvassing today, Anders and I was like extremely good for Bernie, and yeah. then over by the college, it felt like we were talking to a lot of uh, like landlords who own the buildings that they rent to college students who naturally uh, have nothing to gain from a Sanders presidency. Yeah, yeah, and it just well, I think that what was so crushing to me emotionally yesterday was really having to listen to people articulate the reasons that they support the rat. You know, it's like that's like more than uh, yeah. People enjoying Pete Buttigieg. I mean, it was fucking how frustrating. How can I be expected right? to, to value that? I'm sorry. This is. I'm glad this is behind a paywall because, like I said, <laughs> this is getting problematic. I did not, in reality, uh, listen with an open heart to the reasons that people like Mayor Pete. I hate Mayor Pete. Oh, we did so much lying, all of us, this oh, entire yes. thing. Yeah, no, I... The I, second I, anyone tool. talks to you, just like, that is... A, I would always vote for I, whoever the candidate yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. Canvassing so tip, just I'm, lie. Your house is so nice, it doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I, I swore my own allegiance to the eventual Democratic nominee, and not only that, did that, I swore Alex's allegiance to the mm, eventual did. 
Democratic she nominee, check in with and me. perhaps most ridiculous, I swore Jake's allegiance to the eventual <laughs> yeah. Democratic I nominee. I would convince Jill Stein to endorse her. the eventual nominee. I told nominee. somebody my number two preferred candidate was Andrew Yang. Yeah, he said that, like, <laughs> right away. I would... I would I told that to somebody, though, and he said he wanted to punch me in the face. <laughs> I would highly recommend people at home, though, don't try this yourself. We, we're performers. We're very good at lying. Yeah, we're very good at lying. I've I been saying stuff happened to right. me the other day for years. I told I t- someone their grandson was about to email them back. Here's my biggest lie. I tell people all the time. I convince people constantly. I've become very good. I'm becoming an ambassador for this idea that Bernie Sanders, that there actually are zero Bernie bros and that there are no toxic online Bernie Sanders supporters and yet right. we're all that, hot girls for Bernie I know, and, and yet I know that there are because they are my friends I also consider myself an ambassador for lying because I'm Irish okay that's it yeah. I dressed up as the toxic avenger for this yeah <laughs> it's funny because it's like well, and that was, was the, the thing English that I learned last week in Iowa, too, is that it's like, especially canvassing around Des Moines and, you know, I mean, even in New Hampshire to some extent, but I think the area where I was pretty wealthy. But in, when I was canvassing in Des Moines, it was, you know, pretty like a lot of uh, low income apartment buildings and, uh, you know, kind of more working class neighborhoods. And I really got the feeling, um, you know, Bernie Sanders support is exactly what they say it is. It's multiracial. It's working class. It is a lot of young people, but you know, it's also, uh, a lot of, you know, older, lower income people as well. And, um, it, you know, it just really, really hit home to me that this is a campaign for the most marginalized people that is based in bringing new voters who have traditionally been disenfranchised or apolitical into the political process and it it really filled me with with joy when I was in Iowa but like uh I'm glad I saw that because my actual like friends in real life like we are extremely online Brooklyn podcasters and each one of us is the uh extreme stereotype of a Bernie Sanders supporter (laughs) oh this is a good time to talk about the diner story this morning yes (laughs) okay where to begin somebody not driving do this (laughs) I'll pipe in for something annoying halfway through well we uh there were nine of us and we uh which is already an annoying number of people yeah this is a town with like how many people do you think live in Keene like 10 25 so (laughs) We took up, yeah, quite a bit of space. But we doubled we, their population in this diner. We were going to go to a, a large a diner where we would have our own booths, which is where we went yesterday. And then it was packed, so we went to another diner, and they sat us all at the counter, basically in the center of the restaurant, uh, high up, so our voices would, you know, be spread all across the building. Um, David Spector was there. <laughs> David Spector. I know was you're there. asking. He uh, <laughs> <laughs> tell the oatmeal story. Okay, David so- Spector orders oatmeal, and he says, uh, "Can I have some toast with that?" And she says, uh, "Okay, what kind? White or rye?" And he says, "Wow, I've never been asked that question." <laughs> and I'm sitting next to him, and I'm I always on edge whenever I sit down in a restaurant with anybody, just because I worked for a server for so long. So I'm just like, you know, don't like, don't do that. Uh, and so my immediate reaction was like, we, no one has asked you what kind of toast you want, and then it just starts howling yeah, in la- like, with I laughter. I thought you had oatmeal. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I've embarrassed us in front of New Hampshire. Oh, God. And you thought I meant the oatmeal. I thought 
you meant the oatmeal. <laughs> no, no one else in this restaurant. Like we're all having small conversations and stuff. No one has spoken the entire time we've been in this. It's store. a very quiet restaurant. Otherwise, full of exclusively old people, and then like. There's people a, with children yeah. in strollers. There's a middle-aged couple. They were like 50, but they had a, a baby. And they were supporting Bill Weld. They had Bill Weld. Because <laughs> <laughs> you think they're Trump voters, but no. They oh, no. are smarter than that. They're on the Welders Union. Julia Claire's dad, the co-host. Julia is the co-host of the podcast Reply Guys. And uh, her, her dad is a Bill Weld supporter. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Bringing Americans together like two pieces of metal. Um, no, but the David thing was not the peak of the story. So, like, we're sitting there. We finally get through the order. It takes, though, like, two employees, like, a half hour to get through all of us. <laughs> and then uh, we continued on like we weren't in Keene, New Hampshire, and just started, because we were 10 feet away from each other, just like, what do you think of polyamory or whatever bullshit <laughs> yeah. we always talk about? Exactly. That's the thing is it's like we're all we're all comics from New York who are from a particular You know, like, it's true. It's like we were, we were with the... Uh, like, we were look, the only Bernie Jews Sanders these people ha- had ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> Bernie Sanders has a multiracial, working class coalition, people of all ages, more women than men. However, our group was mostly men, an extremely uh, bro <laughs> vibe. Uh, and it just, it was, it was very much the stereotype of like a bunch of young men and then, you know, me and a couple other women who, if you were looking through the right lens, could look like apologists for them. So. <laughs> we, we talked about, what are we talking about? We talked about who gets fucked in a polyamorous relationship. Yeah. We yeah. talked about the differences between cocaine and Adderall. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> fucking married men. Yeah. Uh, what married men are like when you fuck them. Yeah. Uh, There's like this old woman anorexia, just giving. pro oh, that's forums. right. Uh, and all of this very loudly. We're all such loud people. There's a woman behind Rachel McCartney <laughs> giving her the thousand-yard stare. <laughs> I think we talked and about I'm Amy like, Klobuchar beating someone with a stapler, but in like a sexual way. Yeah, I, said, I was talking about how it turns me on that Amy Klobuchar is like so sadistic because you know I am. Uh, Look, I am not. I don't support <laughs> Amy Klobuchar politically, but I, you know, look, I'm going to be real. I have some sub tendencies, and she's hot in that way. I sexually support Amy. Klobuchar. I was, I was yeah, a lot of Tulsi supporters in the car, but this is who I've chosen. <laughs> I was kicking Tulsi too. Down the Tulsi's block, there was Amy's headquarters for Keen, yeah. and we could have stopped in and got stickers and put them on so people would blame this on her. But, right. But Instead, no. we were covered head to toe in Bernie. But Paris. I do want to. No, point that out. is true. We should have all gone. Like we should have actually, maybe perhaps the most constructive use of our time and in our Keen, skills. Yeah, could be that we should have pretended to be Mayor Pete supporters, and then yeah. our natural personalities and there is no would have safeguard. alienated people from him. Yeah. There's no safeguard for campaigns to stop people doing that. Yeah. Folks at home, that's something you could do. No, you can do a fal- false flag operation against Pete Buttigieg. And it's, don't be crazy honestly, about it. You'll get caught. Use but the man's off-putting and annoying. Yourself. Use the man's own tools against himself. <laughs> Hire crisis actors. <laughs> don't go out there and like lie or like say crazy shit or be mean to people because they'll call the office and complain. But if you just go and be gross and weird and like annoying just explain your favorite podcast to them yes there you go you don't even have to like like color it up or anything just explain like the premise they're not going to care if it's socialist or whatever they're just be like this young person is annoying the shit out of me (laughs) and i don't want to hear about it anymore um i don't feel that bad about the diner because i think everyone there was not 
a target for us at all. No, we, we did not lose except anyone who was... Except the workers. Yeah, which but we is tipped why them. So yeah, I, tipped, I tipped them. I tipped, I tipped really them well. well. I also tipped, tipped them yeah. well. I felt really bad. Uh, but just to put a button on this us sticking out heavily and keen thing, uh, the first morning we were there, we did go to a second diner, a different diner completely, uh, that we all felt a little more comfortable in. But uh, I did notice that somebody put on the jukebox as we were like getting up to leave New York, New York. <laughs> oh, so we were I definitely seen there, yeah. too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Rohan got pulled over at one point, uh, and, like, the cop asked him if he was lost. Like, I don't know if you got what part of the country you guys are from, but these are mean things. (laughs) These are specific messages that people in small towns like to send. Driving while the most timid Indian man. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Who is also sick, and he's just like, I'm sorry, I'll go to jail. (laughs) Sorry, you're right, I am Indian. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, yeah, Rohan is such a gentle, gentle, gentle soul. He would just be like, I don't know. <laughs> All right, just do be I- like, I'm really sorry that I inconvenienced your day, that you had to take time out of your day to be racist right. towards me. <laughs> <laughs> that costs you emotional I'm energy. so sorry. I will, in the future, I will be racist to myself. <laughs> you really don't need to do this. Yeah. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Where do I think I'm going? <laughs> Um, the the big takeaway from this trip for me, more than anything else, and, th- you know, if you're already politically active, you know this, and this is this was a great refresher. If you go and talk to people who, A, aren't online, and then, B, aren't um, politically, like, following the emotional roller coaster of uh, current events every day, their motivations for voting are nonsense. Yeah. And you still have to get them to vote, and it is... I don't know what what were some of the uh, um, what were like people's criteria for voting you came across. The one I think of uh, as the beginning of the story is Jeremy and I went out the first day as like what was our duo's dynamic? Um, <laughs> you knock because I I'm too anxious to knock, and then I do all the talking when they come out, and then you occasionally yell something. Right, it's, you, you knock like, on Heisenberg's door from the yeah. last season. He goes, "I am the one." Who well, knocks. she's yeah. the one who knocks. And I was like, "Thank you so much for answering." <laughs> um, we were with the Bernie campaign, and I see you have a bomb there, and I just want to <laughs> say that uh, you know who's really the bomb is Bernie Sanders. Um, yeah, we did stuff like that. We so we're mostly just talking on empty doors, right? And we finally get around to this one guy is like in his, in his yard and he's fixing up his truck and we're like oh finally somebody's home we're like are you 34c or whatever and he's like i'm glad you asked and i'm happy you're walking around to be the president uh you know canvassing for president and that's why i'm going to tell you that you've, you've wasted your time because i'm a diehard amy klobuchar supporter i want her to tie me to the roof of her car and drive to massachusetts oh he said some weird shit <laughs> that said, now i'm yeah. like weird way, shit. i'm reading way further There's into. No way, yeah i mean it's like uh I just want to like get out what he said here because I feel like this is how a lot of people think. He said, "Listen, I'm a lifelong worker. Workers, like workers' rights, are what's important to me. Bernie Sanders is a career politician, and Amy is a tough broad who gets things done, like my boss and my wife, and my mother, and my mother. Those are is, all the same person. But it's, yeah. So to think that Bernie has like the workers' vote in the bag because his policies are about it is so wrong. It uh, is on another plane. You yeah. have to tell people they don't know. They just they they think like whoever's meanest is the workers' guy for well, whatever the thing reason. Is this guy yeah. wasn't. He wasn't about workers' rights. He was about I'm a worker and I don't believe that he's ever worked before. So his perspective is wrong. You know what I mean? Like people think that you get like. 
that she got some sort of perspective from being a lawyer that Bernie Sanders never did because he... It's not the same kind of work. It's so like, weird, though. No, because, not at all. This guy was not a lawyer. A lot of those yeah. people like like Trump, and he's never worked a day in his fucking life. Yeah. But they yeah. give this weird shit where they're like, he's a businessman? And he's that's a tough what? guy. Yeah, I mean, it's... He's a Billie Eilish bad guy. I think that there are a certain amount of people that do see... I mean, and this isn't most people, you know, but there was definitely some people who see what Bernie Sanders is proposing as some kind of, like, you know, idea for young people and extremists and stuff and, and not as the working class agenda that it is, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, with Amy Klobuchar or something, I think, I don't know, people have just been seem, seems like they've been so, like, the, the propaganda that, like, centrism is what most regular people want has mm. been extremely effective, you know? Yeah. What it's, were some other, like, like voter uh, logics you guys witnessed? Uh, I remember a the, lot of people yeah. saying that they needed, and it, it was funny, actually, in New Hampshire, it was this thing that I never um, thought of before, which is that people were like, waiting to make a decision to see the candidate in person. This was uh, the Pete most came last night thing. and then Bernie was coming tonight. And you would think in a state like New Hampshire, you know, where like people have been bombarded for months by canvassers and phone calls. I mean, they've, you know, most people had talked to several people before us and uh, you wait to see them in person. You know, that way and you know then they're it's not also like, there's just, you know, the primary has been going on for so long. I don't know if there's been like 95 debates or whatever, but like, you know, uh, a lot of people were waiting to make up their minds to these like two days. And uh, that's why it was really stressing me out yesterday that, um, you know, they, the, the rat uh, cheated in Iowa and that the media like uh, fueled this narrative that he was the winner based on like SDEs, which is some really, really stupid Suck way of determining energy. things, which is, has nothing to do with the, either the amount yeah. of delegates or small the dick amount energy? of votes. Small, small dick, dick energy. energy. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. You got the most small dick energy. Small yeah. dick energy is in a way big dick energy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so right, I mean, yeah. there was My just... My man Mayor Pete got that small dick energy. Yeah. yeah. So when your dick is so big, you just want to like eat other dicks? Yeah. Yeah. And it gets bigger when you eat them. It gets bigger when you eat it like yeah. a demon. My I'm really Kirby. sorry to break this to you, and I don't mean to... Look, I'm not trying to say anything positive about Pete Buttigieg, but I would not say that he has small dick energy. I would say that Pete has firmly no one running for dick energy. Media. I know. Pete I has know medium, dick, medium dick, energy. dick energy. I mean, small dick energy is like... Uh, Small deck people can be quite fun, honestly, in my opinion. I know, like, it's... Swashbucklers. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people, you know, there are, like, insecure small dick people, but there are also a lot of small dick people who really, you know, put their heart into things and, uh, you know, make up for it in other ways. Was I about, like, a guy pouring gasoline on his dick, but his tiny dick, and he's, like, bragging about how he's going to, like, just get the front of the pussy... Ew. Who was I talking to this Harvey about? Weinstein. It was Harvey Weinstein. We were yeah. talking yeah, about we were talking his... about how Harvey Weinstein has a vagina, a but, vagina like, still penis, a dick. Yeah. And it's, so he could, like, brag about his dick, but in a deeply insidious way, yeah, and how you pull it off. Let's yeah. go back to talking about voter logic. <laughs> no, I like this dick thing. <laughs> dick logic. Oh, yeah, and then, the big, and then big dick energy is just, like, a, a really unearned confidence but Pete's confidence you can like Pete's confidence Pete was all about like uh, earning his confidence like it, within a, a technocratic framework you know like yeah. it's all about the road scholarship and the Ivy League institution yeah, we, and, we the, this yard by yard. and the the in, internship or not inch. internship <laughs> but the work at McKinsey yeah. and just you know like all of these 
uh, he measured his all dick of these markers then, of, you know, he was like my, dick, my dick has a yeast yeah. fixing crisis. Whereas, like, uh, a presidential yeah, big, big dick energy would be much more like, um, Bernie Sanders. Yeah, Bernie I don't know. has big dick I actually, energy. I actually think that Bernie Sanders has a totally different kind of medium dick energy, and then <laughs> the medium he has no dick energy. The, the medium dick energy. That's why he's so powerful. That, that Bernie Sanders admits is like. It's fine. My dick is fine. That is not the subject right now. <laughs> on a good, exactly. On a good day, my wife likes my dick. Would say, <laughs> yeah. If you look at the statistics, most women would say they don't like a big dick. Yeah. I think we can all agree on this. Ninety-nine percent of the women. I've read studies. They show women prefer a medium-sized dick. I the do not know why this is part of the New York Times endorsement. <laughs> yeah. I will not be dragged into this partisan bickering about dick size. Like, I mean, the top one percent really of my dick. Uh, I'm trying to think of like who of the candidates has big dick energy. Corey Booker. It was Cory Booker, and that's the reason that he didn't go very far, because he was yeah. just too fucking relaxed all the time. Yeah. He was fucking Rosario yeah, Dawson. Cory Booker could have some, although I've I never believed him when he said he was mad about shit. vibes from Cory Booker as well. Uh, I would say, no, I think Beto had some big dick energy, to be honest with you. Beto had a kind of a... I had sort of a big yet. dick sort of swagger. But he's also got skinny um, dick He skateboards around Amy Klobuchar on it. Has a, Amy Klobuchar has an intensely confident, you know, sexual energy, but it's more just like she would fucking throw you over her yeah. knee and just take she care of it. You know, dick. like, yeah. After, after your sex is done, she hurts you, and that's her kind of energy. Yeah. <laughs> um... Other, another weird excuse we got a few times at the door based on who, how you pick a candidate. A lot of confused voters would be like, I don't know, I'm between Buttigieg or Bernie, or I'm between Klobuchar or uh, Bernie. Um, and I'm between they, Andrew Yang and writing in uh, Dr. Pepper. I, <laughs> we did get a Yang or Bernie. That's who I told I was. I, Yang was my second choice. I believe in Andrew Longfellow, and I want to elect him for office. Um no, so a bunch of people were saying, well, I want to vote for Bernie, but I'm afraid his supporters are mean. People said Which, that? Yeah, yeah we had several this one times. guy who said uh, he, Which is he like, doesn't like that the Bernie supporters don't seem like they will vote for whoever wins in the end if their guy doesn't we win. We had that one, too. And I said, I also sir, talked to someone who I looked that. him dead in the eyes and I said, sir, let me assure you, yeah. I will be vote. I can't speak for every other Bernie supporter, but I will be voting for whoever the Democrats choose right. in November. Your first I mean, reaction is, oh, that doesn't make any sense as a concern. It's a primary and you should vote for who wins but then your immediate instinct to lie kicks in and that's when the sale happens yeah, folks, I these people tell are you dumb. Anything. like I think you if know. you take anything from this it's the transformative power of just lying to people's faces about your intentions just I mean lie. I think you can sort of make the argument in earnest like the you know the trolling argument that's like well yeah, that's why you got to pick Bernie you you can like sort you of shouldn't do that don't well, do not, not do that but you can say like you he has the, the most power level. passionate supporters, which is a good thing for a general election. You need turnout. Oh, yeah. you know. Oh, I mean, Jeremy, I had a reasonable conversation yeah. with someone today about that who seemed, and he used the word narrative. He said he's worried about the narrative because he thinks it'll turn other people off from it. And there's you some statistics that, that you can, word. guys, we have to, can't all. Uh, there's some statistics you can rattle off pretty easily about, like, the number of people that went from uh, Bernie to Hillary over the p number of people that went yeah, from Hillary. No, I, from, yeah, no, you just pull that out pretty casually. Just say, you know, more people went from uh, Bernie to Clinton than went from Clinton to Obama. It happened at a higher instance. But always, like, the thing that helps is framing it as 
like this isn't uncommon what you're talking about. Yeah. It may happen among Sanders supporters, but it will happen among Kamala supporters too. It'll happen among a lot of people who feel burnt that the person they believed in didn't win because as, people believe in things. And as we learned this weekend, it's very true for Warren supporters <laughs> as well. Yeah. I don't know if by the way. I hate no, Did I'm not going to say I hate Warren supporters. No, we don't like, hate Warren supporters. I don't Come hate in. Warren supporters. The, the door's I would, open. The, the thing is, is like, look, Thanks I would never, I would never <laughs> hold a candidate accountable for the worst of their supporters. But I would talk about it a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but also, just to make know. it clear, don't feel guilty about your desire to write in Goku. Yeah. You don't have to feel bad about that. If they rat fuck Bernie out of this nomination... Right in Goku. Who the fuck cares? Yeah, I mean, it's... He's so uh, strong. Yeah, so uh, last week I, you know... Look, I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a convert to Bernie Sanders. I, you don't have to worry about me. I'm, I'm, I have the full zeal. Yeah, I, in I made, some ways more powerful than us ethnic uh, Bernie supporters. Yes. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I forced... I've, I've forced multiple Bernie supporters to go to other states, make phone calls. I mean, I'm really, you know, I'm on, I'm on fire for the Lord. But, yeah, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, but I, you know, I, 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 I voted for Bernie in 16, but I also like didn't, like I just, I don't know. The whole thing seemed like he couldn't win to me, and whenever I would say something like that, especially on social media, like a lot of, you know, dudes would say like sexist stuff to me. Which is real. I mean, but also it's like the thing is, it's like all candidates have bad supporters. And I've been like never fucking hearing the end of it from Elizabeth Warren supporters, man. Like, you know, I wrote this essay about how Raghav died uh, that I published in L last week because I wanted to help people understand the need for Medicare for all, but also to humanize the experience of losing someone very important to you because you... um, you know, because politics is personal, and that was the point. Like the point was about like going from somebody who thought politics was like an online battle to going from somebody to like becoming someone that understands that this is like a very, very, very personal thing for people. But you know, I'm getting fucking uh, dragged by some of the some of our uh, some of the our Warren friends people. online, and it's very, it's like, man, honestly, give me a fucking guy telling me not to vote with my vagina any day of the week before I since there's somebody that would like be so uncompassionate as to like drag me for an essay I, I wrote about my like you know a, a person that I loved very much who died but I think that they were yeah they're they were mad because there's not really like a there's not really a, a way to kind of debate the essay I wrote like it's sort of raw enough that it doesn't really invite like a a debate around it you yeah. know well, like you would feel like an asshole and and i wrote it that way on purpose and you also don't mention elizabeth warren you're not talking about her health care plan you're talking about bernie sanders and why you support him and why you support medicare for all you know yeah it's extremely gauche of someone to insert elizabeth warren into that at all yeah. um but to, to, to make a point about this about the bernie bro thing that has just come back fucking immediately out of nowhere uh you know the the deceptive thing about that narrative is that it's 
they're arguing that that is a thing that is specific to this one candidate, Bernie yeah, Sanders, exactly. for some Whereas reason. Whereas all and candidates have bad online supporters. People have you know? been... Uh, the other candidates' supporters and the candidates themselves this week have been so fucking toxic. I mean, if you want to talk about somebody, you know, being mean to you and tweeting snake emojis at you or something, you have to contrast it with someone who is, like, insulting a grieving person and uh, accusing them of being MAGA for... Uh, you know, for writing of like a honest, heartfelt essay, um, these people are so fucking cynical. And honestly, that's meaner than anything I, Bernie Bro I know has ever fucking done in the name of you know some political candidate. Yeah, I mean, and, I don't know, man. That was the, kind of the point that I came to. I think you know, in terms of like evaluating the morality of the supporters of different candidates or whatever, which is like, honestly, like a pretty stupid thing in my opinion to base any part of your vote on. But I just, you know, but like, let's say you did, you know, like I would certainly give in to, uh, two assholes that are both saying mean things on the internet. And one of them wanted me and my whole family to have, Healthcare and for us to do something about climate change, and the other one was the same amount of uh, rude on the internet, but didn't want those things. I mean, obviously, the more moral person is the one who ha- has an underlying concern for humanity. Well, that's then the problem with the Bernie Bro narrative from the beginning is that somebody tweeted and summed it up pretty well, which is it's just like it, no matter how mean someone, oh, someone was mean to you on the internet, and that's your justification for not wanting poor people to be able to go to the hospital, right? That doesn't make any fucking sense. It's a dumb argument to begin with. But, um, you know, I think it just shows that once and for all that these people, especially the journalists and the professional types that are coming at us from a place of power about this shit, people with professional jobs and shit, like, you know, Clara Jeffrey from Mother Jones and all that stuff. Yeah, she's um, horrible. And and that's the person that this comedian was defending, by the way, was I... Ain't, I black people ain't be having no Bernie Clara Jeffrey, the white lady who said that, and it proves that they're just you know they've been lower than all of us this whole time. And uh, like another 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 one of those people that happened to chime in is that we tweeted about that thing that happened with those Yang Gang kids, and uh, Candace Aston um, chimed right in with a bunch of fucking like Pepe Frog people to uh, tell me she was taking joy in the idea of me being punched in the face, you know? So at what point you got to look at yourself and go, who the fuck am I even allying with just to be, you know, anti-fucking socialism? Look, it's like, you know, we all have different views, you know? I love Bernie Sanders. Uh, I I love my friend Jake. I can also understand it completely why someone would want to punch him in the face, but <laughs> it's also... Uh, you know, I think that one of the things that this Bernie bro narrative does, which I actually think is the first most sinister thing, is erasing Bernie Sanders' multiracial working class support. And that's the first most sinister thing. But point number two, which I would say uh, is, is not, you know, uh, far away in terms of its badness, is that it is a narrative which um, erases the human, like the, the compassion um of a leftist platform and like turns it into something that is like somehow evil and it completely obscures the whole moral discussion around these issues like i personally i the reason that i am uh 
a leftist at this point versus like when I, I wasn't, um, I wasn't like opposed to it, but you know, the reason why it's really important to me now, honestly, is because I'm a better human being than I used to be. Like the experience of going through something that was deeply tragic made me a more empathetic person. And that that's why, uh, leftist politics became more important to me. And I think that it sucks that people who are, I think, less compassionate uh, and less um, concerned about the well-being of their fellow human being are able to take a moral high ground. And that's what the Bernie Bro narrative does. Yeah. I also think, like, 2016 is such a specific moment in time. I mean, all elections are, all points of history are. But there's this, um, the people still haven't realized that, like, the Hillary Clinton campaign was a coalition between, you know, white bankers in who live in Manhattan and black people in the South who both voted in the Democratic primary. But that coalition is very tenuous. Like, that doesn't mean you have any sense of affinity with these people. Uh, and the Clara Jeffries still speaking as if she, like, is part of this group um, that Sister is, like, a Clara. coherent thing. Yeah, and, like, now it's broken and they can't... They don't understand that that, that, that was just a very... A specific moment where, for a lot of reasons, Bernie, you know, didn't appeal to um, African American primary voters, or not even the majority of Black Democrats in America. I think a big part of what we're seeing now with people coming into Bernie's camp, and like, you know, you can look at the stats, and it's it, it's incredibly clear that, like, it before it was like a little questionable about what our appeal to to uh, communities of color was going to be going forward. Like, people were saying we have this diverse working class coalition, but we didn't really know until Iowa. Yeah. And the moment we got those stats back in Iowa, we fucking know now right. that that's who is behind Bernie, you know? Because we showed up, you know? It wasn't about his body language. It wasn't about his, like, yeah. arm movements. It's because he, he hadn't been organizing in those communities, and that's what he's been doing for the past three years. He wasn't That's what the left has been trying to do. And frankly, he had no name recognition. Nobody yeah. knew who the fuck he was the first time around, and the moment people knew who he was, they said... Oh wait, this is way more valuable to me right. than Elizabeth Warren, na- you know, saying the names of dead trans people on on you know her uh, her State of the Union address. Like somebody who's going to support Medicare for all, so I can actually fucking transition, is way more valuable to me. Right. Yeah. Uh, let me just add this, as which well is as homelessness. Yeah, as well as homelessness. Uh, if there is one lesson that you could take away from, I, I don't know, f- completely anecdotal firsthand experience for this week. It is be nice to Warren supporters for this week because she's going to eat shit in New Hampshire. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh my nobody God. mentioned her the nobody entire time. Nobody likes her. There was like oh five lawn signs. She ate shit in Iowa. She's going to have to drop out. So if you're mean to them this week, they're just going to leave us for Pete, and he's going to be the biggest rat you've ever fucking seen. Such a huge can I, rat. Uh, can ahead. I use this behind the paywall privilege to, to drag something I couldn't drag on my own podcast? Yes, a forbidden please. drag? Uh, okay, so, yeah. Dragon? Uh, I want to drag this piece in the nation called The Erasure of Elizabeth Warren. And it's by Joan Walsh. Um, And I've seen a lot of Warren supporters posting this about how uh, Elizabeth Warren is, is like how she hasn't gotten as much coverage as the men in the race who came in first and second in Iowa, and to me that just, you know, I'm not saying that the media has covered Elizabeth Warren fairly. Like, there's definitely, I, I definitely agree that there have been very ses- sexist aspects to the 
coverage of Elizabeth Warren, any discussion about likability, but you know, to dis- to kind of consider uh, the. Um, like the, it's, it makes sense to me to not focus a lot on the third place candidate who comes yeah. out of Iowa. Like it's not that's not the big story. I'm not saying that she can never be in the media again. But you know, if Iowa, we accept as this like kind of uh, determinant of something, which is like a stupid premise to begin with. But you know, it's like it's not. I don't know. Like it's it's really kind of silly to think that the the reason that people aren't covering somebody who came in like you know, third place and like a, this is like Tom Steyer a erasure. Yeah. A way behind third place to yeah. be like, you know, some kind of like a sexist thing. That's that, that is silly. And I also, and I think the reason that it bothered me is that like anybody could look at what happened to Bernie Sanders in Iowa and the way that the media spun the story of Pete as being the winner when he did not win. Like, to me, that's the big, like, uh, terrible media story out of Iowa. And I I don't know. I just, like, I'm a person who is a feminist. I I care about it when people are sexist. It makes me really mad. Uh, I'm I'm famous for it, even in our friend group. But I I just think that this is very... um, yeah, I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes sexist, the focus yeah. on that narrative can prevent you from seeing the actual uh, big uh, structural inequalities that are happening. <laughs> I think what you're seeing That's is funny. there's been this kind of narrative around the campaign for a while now, for for all across the board, where nobody wants to go after each other too much because everybody kind of has this, I, I want to say, like, implied idea in their head where, like, uh, at the end of this all, we can all win. You know, yeah, know, someday all the candidates can skip across the finish line together and we'll be five presidents living in the in the White House together. It'll be a fun little it'll be, it'll like, be like three's company. It'll be like three's company with presidents. House. Yeah, it'll be great. Great show. But could this you is imagine kind of, this is that narrative the landlord comes hitting in? the ceiling, <laughs> cracking its head and falling down to die. It's over now. Somebody has to win the primary. It's not cute that Elizabeth Warren came in third. It's bad. She's going to lose. She's going to lose so bad. And so she <laughs> might not drop out this week. She might not drop out next week. But very soon, she has her money else is leaving. Go. She's firing people in her own campaign. Folks, she's about to dry up. <laughs> and we're going to pick up her body and turn into jerky for our campaign. Pete is going to kill Big Structural Bailey. He's yeah. going, oh, I can't wait. We're going to put down Big Structural Bailey. But yeah, I think that it's, you know, America chose neck. a different way. I, I mean, it still shows that like 37% of Warren supporters would go to Bernie Sanders. You know, I think that there's plenty of Warren supporters that are, you know, technocrat liberals who will absolutely vote for Mayor Pete, and I'm not really sure it's going to be a good thing. Well, just like, just Bernie, uh, just like Bernie Sanders... Uh, supporters can't be uh, quantified, represented by their worst of their like uh, supporters. A lot of Warren people aren't Clara Jeffries and these crazy fucking people on Twitter. Yeah, I know. You know? Yeah, and even if they are, you want their vote. Remember that. Even if they're pieces of shit, you want their vote. I don't think we're gonna get Claras. No, you're not gonna get Claras. I mean, I am calling it right now. When uh, uh, when she drops out big bump for Buttigieg. It's a lot of the same class appeals yeah. to people who think they know better than other people and uh, need to bring them into line with their fancy degrees and sure. jobs. I think it's going to split two ways. Uh, I think especially younger Warren supporters will go to Sanders. There are some of them who will we will not name. You may or may or may not read stories about this in the coming days who uh, 
are working on the Warren campaign and for reasons are will be voting for Bernie Sanders. <laughs> Very, yes. very yeah. we have uh, some well done, information, yeah, yeah, yeah. but we cannot share. <laughs> Just absolutely <laughs> <laughs> flawless execution. Uh, but in terms of in terms of the fear of people leaving Warren for Pete, I happen to think that after Tuesday, it doesn't fucking matter. They can go wherever they goddamn want because if Pete doesn't win New Hampshire, it's over for him. He's going into a desert after this. That's Literally, true. Literally yeah. the desert. <laughs> yeah. He's going. Yeah. He's going to Las Vegas, baby. And that's he needs what, New Hampshire more than we do. And that's why I'm not super. I mean, I don't want to get too cocky, but like, if you look at 2016 again, you know, Bernie tied Iowa, won by a landslide in New Hampshire. It felt like he had all this momentum, but Nevada. In South Carolina, he didn't have enough organization on the ground, and he didn't have enough support among people of color. And both of those things are even more true for Pete. Yeah. And he's definitely not going to win by a landslide in New Hampshire if he wins. There's also something about what happened in New Hampshire when we were there that gives me a little bit of hope, which is that it was really frustrating thinking, well, this is the place that should be supporting our fucking boy. And then being in a part of town that was, you know, based around a college and all these people were, you know, being very vague and lame and liberal. But it took me a while to realize, like, I think we went to the worst neighborhood because although it was projected as being, you know, this huge town for Bernie, I think what's going on here in the polls might be that what what really is bernie's power here is is this town is a fucking libertarian stronghold i mean the state rather and like the license plate motto is fucking live free or die you know and there are these people that do not like the establishment and in some ways they bleed over into going into for an outsider like bernie some of them also go for trump but his you know his power is that he wins over a lot of those voters and when he wins over a fucking trump voter it's a double win because that person a won't vote for trump and is now voting for him so it puts him two steps above every single time you know as we always say and that's why pete's gonna lose in nevada is because there's fucking hardcore libertarian energy down there too yes absolutely it's like it's like an east west libertarian thing but i was gonna say as we always say every state is a different season of breaking bad and we know (laughs) which one this is yeah this is not the plucky breaking bad at the beginning with the doctor you want to get behind this is the bad bad man with the hat who's bad that's a really good point because we are going from the one where he lives in a log cabin in New Hampshire to like the early ones in the desert where it's fun and they shoot guns. And you learn science a little bit. <laughs> Every episode you learn a different thing about science. You're um, like, what is he going to make a bomb out of? As long as we're talking about the specter of this fucking Pete guy and uh, the other uh, candidates are, you know, kind of skulking around doing their thing. Uh, I do want to mention that Sean King just retweeted this account of uh, uh, Pete Buttigieg staffer like ripping the press credentials off of a black cameraman's face. Uh, I mean, off of his shirt, not off his yeah, face. Get a face tattoo. Where you choose <laughs> to put your, your, your press credentials is up to you, and no one can that take is your that away. business. <laughs> if you want to put a lanyard stapled to your head, no one should be allowed to touch that. Um, Least of all, a white man. Biden is melting down hard. We just got news and watched the clip of him uh, being asked by a supporter something rather innocuous about how his campaign wasn't going very well. Oh, it was like uh, you you kind of didn't do so great in Iowa. Uh, how are we to be sure that you're going to be able to like win going forward? We, so the viral clip that kind of went out, I think Sean King also retweeted that, is uh, him go, the, the, the big phrase you're going to hear is him calling this woman a lying dog-faced pony soldier. Yes. Well, he asked her, have you, you ever caucused before? He says, caucuses are weird. Have you ever caucused before? She says, she nods, and then he says, Oh, yeah. You're a dog. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, and you might be thinking, oh, this might be something that he sort of provoked himself into and got himself worked up into a rage. Second sentence. It's you are a lying dog-faced pony soldier. Like, he had it loaded. That is a phrase no one's ever said before. He had that locked and loaded. He said it twice. He says it again <laughs> to a different person. The same phrase, uncharacteristic of him, because it sounds like he's freestyling. Like, hey, you're running for president, you piece of shit. <laughs> you're a dog. Where did he get that from? I, th I don't I think, know. I think this is like something his wife taught him, and he's picking up bad lessons from around the house. The, the thing I get, think the reason it's so funny to me is because it reminded me of this thing that'll happen sometimes in stand up where, like, a crazy person wanders into an open mic and then they go on stage and they're just like, Man, you lying dog face, crazy ponies, and they ramble for like 30 minutes and it's like anti comedy funny. It's like funny, but you're not, that's not supposed to be it's like yeah. Joe Biden funny. And you and your friends laugh at it in the back of the room and you're like, Man, that person was just like opening up their head and they were just tripping balls and just saying the craziest shit ever. And then you come back a week later and they come back and they do it again word for word yes and you're like you wrote that what the fuck uh -huh. i think that's what's going on with him is that he's actually putting work into these weird ass old-timey euphemisms and shit did so we haven't gotten to the bottom of what the expression is we found there's a movie called pony soldier <laughs> and it's yeah. a cowboy movie because cowboys are often on a pony and their work does involve soldiering in the acts of war. Yeah. And so that's at least the tail end of it. But to call a child dog face Joe is just no way to run a campaign and it's going to bite you come dog season. And dog season's <laughs> coming soon. It's going to bite you like a dog and then Pete Buttigieg is going to kill the dog. I but mean, the dog has a face. It's, it's got a dog face, but it's riding on a pony. Riding on a pony. Or is a pony. We can't quite figure it's it out. Trump says to women, he says, like, like a dog. Like, that's yeah. not a good look. It's not a good look, but I don't... The thing about Biden is that I feel like people are ready to count him out. I don't think he's out yet. No. I think he's I think he's flaming out in, like, a very short-term sense. I think once we finally kill the rat, I think he's coming right back up. I, I want to talk we're about... we're going to be uh, facing off against him in the South. What's that video we saw yesterday? Which, oh, the, the ad he did yeah, about so Mayor Biden, Pete? while he's still in the race, is providing a very valuable service because Bernie is now kind of like bickering around the ends with uh, uh, the progressive vote between Warren and, let's face it, Steyer, who is only sucking up Bernie supporters as far as I can tell. Um, but Biden has a shit ton of money and is spending it all on Buttigieg because Buttigieg, despite not winning in numbers, is the perceived winner of Iowa because yeah. of CIA trickery. And so he's really like sucking the energy out of him we need more middle of the lane battling happening did you guys you guys all saw it right he, he, so the commercial is like joe biden presided over the biggest economic boom since the gold rush or some good fact <laughs> yeah. about joe biden and then i'll be like the mayor pete Just cut the ribbon at the staples in indiana <laughs> <laughs> and like, the fucking the fucking like song you play as your child is falling asleep comes on it's like look at him he's a little baby it, it's also like a four minute ad yeah it's an ad designed specifically for old people that we will not reach it's the perfect weapon right i'm so excited it's bad for both of them because it makes biden look like an asshole and Pete look like a novice this is like perfect when he's both and he's, yeah, he's both very bad <laughs> i was thinking this this week it you know, I was thinking about kind of things that could happen, sort of gaming it out of my head. And I think if the media let Bernie have the victory that he had in Iowa, I think if they acknowledged it, I actually think that 
you know, Bernie could have, like, had a very pretty easy time in New Hampshire, which I still think he win, but well, you know, exactly he could have had an easy time. Why. And then he could have really, I think that Biden could be out. I think uh, because they did that to him, um, a, a thing that could happen is, you know, let's say the rat won New Hampshire. I don't think it's totally impossible that he would get some momentum that would carry him into some other states because a lot of people vote based on electability, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I think. Uh, but, yeah, I agree with you also that uh, because Bernie didn't get that clear narrative that he won Iowa, even if he wins New Hampshire, I, I don't think that Biden has totally flamed out. Yeah. No, I, I think uh, New Hampshire and Iowa are mostly all white states and it was always a possibility like what the media was saying for months was that Pete Buttigieg was going to win Iowa and New Hampshire and mm-hmm. that that was the whole plan you know and uh, then Biden would kind of come back after that I, right. I still think that's a real possibility in South Carolina but yeah I mean I've mentioned this before but he, I think the ticking time bomb is Biden lying about his civil rights record he's just uh-huh. been going around saying that he was hanging out at black churches during the civil rights movement which right. is just false he's not lying the way we're lying in a cool way he's yeah. lying in <laughs> a bad way well, it's, it's, it's alarming talking to voters though because they don't seem to know all this shit but yeah. I will say that I, most of them at least seem to know that Biden sucks by now sure yeah I could I see him flaming out because the, mo- the worse and worse it gets the more agitated he's gonna get, you know. Like wow, they've already wow, tried wow. to, yeah. They they had to regroup this week, like a, a, a few days before the New Hampshire primary, they had to go back to Delaware to just like rethink the whole fucking thing. Right. And then they decided to go ham with that ad. We'll see if it works. That's but, when he came up with Lion Dog Face Pony Boy. <laughs> this is it. We found it. The perfect distillation of weird phrases. Uh, he probably paid so many a million bucks to think of that. I'd say, who do you think is this writer for his diss track? I think that it was something he was supposed to call Trump, and he just yelled it at one of his own voters. <laughs> <laughs> is there any chance Joe Biden has cannabis on a payroll? That's just like, oh, look, I come across a girl who's too mouthy. What do you got for me? Lion, dog, face, pony, soldier. <laughs> Yeah, but like, yeah, he's just gonna get. Wor- I mean, he he gets uh, cranky when the pressure's on. Like, he doesn't do well under pressure. Doesn't right. do well with scrutiny. And that more and more of that is gonna come. Uh, the worse he does, or he's just gonna stop getting as much attention. He's gonna fade. So he's gonna try and and get it back by being ridiculous, and it's just gonna blow up in his face. Like, I could see him. I could see him being done in a few weeks. Yeah. It's an interesting point because I feel like all of the campaigns are sort of falling apart in their own way, um, except for Bernie's. But the amount Bernie has to win by to overcome the open rigging that is going to happen this entire time has to be substantial or it's not going to carry. You have to win by a large margin or else they can steal it. If you don't win by a large margin, you're not in charge. Large (laughs) margin. Does anyone have any really good stories or good points they want to get to before I kind of go into this uh, uh, thing I did for the end? Well, I'm, I'm just trying to think of like, uh, is there like any wacky road trip stories we have from this? I, know, I feel like yeah, we got a few. We got to we got to get something good in there. We got some. I, and it can't just be making fun of David Spector. But I, it could I be. nope. Let's it do. Could I have be. I have exactly that. Okay, so we were talking about David Spector a lot uh, this whole time, and this morning I uh, got paired off with him to go do some canvassing, and when I when I realized what was happening, I just sort of sighed, and he went, <laughs> you know, like what? And I was like. Well, you know, I mean, come on, it's it's You're funny. A pain in the ass. <laughs> and I, uh, I, I, I felt kind of guilty immediately because I, th- I didn't realize what I was saying, and I was just going like, 
well, you know, you're crazy, you know? <laughs> and he kind of got quiet, and the more he got quiet, the more I was like, no, no, no let me, I, I'm sorry. Like, that was a dick thing to say. Uh, you know, and then I just kind of had to go into this thing where I was like, it's just like, I mean, you just do these things where, like, you eat carrots instead of dinner, and then at 4 a.m., you're like, why don't I Uber myself to a McDonald's? <laughs> and then I have to explain what Grubhub is, and I was, like, kind of racking my brain to be like, you know, I mean, come on. And I ended up, just, like, telling him, like, you have a very angular energy. Like, you, <laughs> it's, you're like music where the notes are on the off beats, like, in it, but with a conversation. You're like Rush, but with conversations. You're like prog rock. And uh, <laughs> I think we made up. Progressive comedy. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and then we went and knocked some doors. And uh, honestly, I think he's pretty good at canvassing, actually. We made a really good team. He's very direct. Yeah. I've seen him do it before. He's like kind of like a businessman in a way. Yeah, yeah. And he said he used to do it for work. Do you, if you ever have a friend who's just like too bossy and it, they don't seem to know like a social line for where that annoys you or not, they're probably perfect for politics. Yeah. And we are waiting to prepare David Spector to run for some sort of office. He's just not old enough yet. <laughs> he, looks so, he looks so young. He looks like such a good boy. You'd have to be so careful with his public perception though because yeah. like, you can't just let him talk to a camera. It has to be about a thing. He can't I'm just, just be like, like yeah. has anyone seen my backpack or whatever? He'd have to like gaffs all the time. Yeah, today I was like, I was thinking about it this morning and sorry, I am going to be sentimental here. It's going to be really stupid. Um, but uh, I was thinking about it today about like what a weird group of people we are um, and just like how much we both like uh, are funny, are weird and care about uh, what happens here and are, we're just all really like strange in a like similar way and I'm glad that we found each other because you can certainly go through long periods of life without knowing people who understand you you know like and uh yeah it was nice to be doing something with you all I had a really great time it was outside of the canvassing being annoying you know even that feels fine yeah it's a fun road trip yeah. yeah. Oh, we got to talk about that Airbnb. Oh, yeah. Okay. It was kind of haunted a little bit. <laughs> there was a terrifying painting of a child Republican. This is a house. It's like a kind of like a non... Like, you wouldn't notice it off the side of the road. It's kind of like a brick-colored house. And uh, it, it said it had room for six people. That was, very, was, that was very sweet, by the way, Kate. I didn't mean to go to cut you off and immediately start talking about this creepy child painting. <laughs> immediately start talking about this creepy child thing but the fact that you would do that is my point like that's, we would all do that <laughs> which is why we're friends <laughs> your friendship is beautiful like the oil painting of a seven-year-old on the wall with little uh, like done up boy hair and he's staring at you as you sleep yeah uh that was a feature of the house we watched uh, three hours of Jeopardy drunk. <laughs> uh, uh, me and Anders shared a bed in an office that it turned out we were not allowed to sleep in. They might be listening. Yeah. They're not. Li <laughs> They're it's pitching. behind a paywall. They would have to go so far out of their way. Yeah. 
Uh, I no, yeah, we uh, we did I, not sleep in the office. That was a joke. <laughs> uh, I don't. Yeah, that would be amazing. I feel like if they've made it behind the paywall of this podcast, they would be so stoked that you stayed in their house because they would love Bernie Sanders. I think there might be at least one deep state agent that has to sign up for our Patreon yeah. because they did very much enjoy uh, when I talked to a guy that was pro Hong Kong protests. Yeah, and then I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, we the so the the room that. Uh, Jake and I were staying in was the uh, it was like the child's room with like two little kid beds <laughs> one was like a, a loft bed and one was like the little child's bed below bed? I did it felt like I was in the end of hereditary the whole time yeah. the ceiling was like arched and shit I actually felt like a very uh, it's like a very like a it's like very like a like child slumber party vibes, you know. But instead of like a yeah, we're all going to each other's air. rooms and shit. Yeah, it was it was cute. It was very cute. Um, what yeah, else? The office had Hillary 08 <laughs> stickers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's pretty good. Oh yeah, we were no, doing. I actually shit. I had the experience of you know when you go around a video game and you can pick up little clues and find out the history of the sordid environment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I gathered enough to missed. figure out that this was like. Uh, uh, somebody who'd worked in advertising for 40 years and <laughs> their deepest fears and how much they loved Hillary Clinton. Um, oh, there was a whole entire mini basketball hoop in the office oh, with yeah, like 30 basketballs it, in it. There was uh, Freddy the Fish stuff everywhere. They clearly had a child in the 2000s, and I think that child died, and that's when the hauntings began. <laughs> yeah, that dead child. That my friend Avery Moore, when I tweeted that picture, said that child—that's their very dead, very professional child. <laughs> <laughs> that child died, and thus it never aged. Yeah, and I ripped my pants open, slipping on ice, canvassing, and then I took them off, and everyone, including me, found out I'm wearing yoga pants. I yeah. thought they were thermals. Get wrecked. They said thermals on the packaging. Yeah, they they said they were men's thermals on the top. They're thermals that just happen to showcase your tight ass. <laughs> well, come on. It's so come round. <laughs> come on. Did you guys think there were spots of cold in the house, almost as if you were walking through a spirit? Of course. Ooh, that's Because yeah, Andrews and I, when we would go over to the office, there was a part that was like right by a side door, and it might have been cold because it was a door or because of a malevolent energy. Well, we got there in the middle of the night, and it did have very like Cabin in the Woodsy vibes, and I was like, this would make a good movie, like a bunch of Bernie, b- Bernie yeah. bros getting murdered. <laughs> Like, America would love that. <laughs> Bernie ghosts. Yeah, for just being too, you know, socialist or whatever. Being sexist in the afterlife. <laughs> oh, they would probably make them choose. Like, you, it's like a diverse group, and they have to choose which friends die. I'm trying to think of, like, privilege. Casper's uncles, but they, like, make you show them your feet. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how they, like, lick them and stuff with their big cartoonish tongues. Uh, uh, they're doing... I think a ghost could create a real-life GIF. Yeah. Because they're available to powers that are beyond the material realm, and thus you can kind of, like, play a video in thin air. If you have the transformative properties like that. Bernie ghosts. Anybody else got something? Bernie ghosts. <laughs> Bernie ghosts. Okay, Bernie okay. ghosts. Um, all right. All right. We'll we, come back to this. We'll go uh, next honestly, episode. Okay. If 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 uh, okay. we're we may need some like someone who can speak to the dead because if he does, <laughs> if he is truly too old and he passes away, he's gonna need to. We're gonna need to have him governed via seance. He will die within our lifetimes, and he'll be our first ghost president. Yeah. Um. That's representation. 
If, uh, if anyone's got anything left, I wrote a thing while I was tripping my face off that I think I'm gonna oh, round out. Right? Yeah, which will be in this story. Um, Don't so tell them it's Dramamine. They want to know Jake is cool. <laughs> Jake does not trip on Dramamine. Well, I'll explain how that happened within the story. I, it, it, I wrote a bunch of, it looks like, uh, you know, Zodiac Killer scrawling shit, but I remember what all this means in, like, a note on my phone, and, uh, I think this also will be pretty funny, but I also will get a little sentimental because this uh, was rather important even though we're all making jokes about dog face and shit um, so something kind of interesting happened to me last week uh, starting off with the fact that I listened to this uh, podcast that my friend Sean KB from Antifada made about uh, utopianism and, and he talked about Gnosticism a little bit and uh, if you don't know what Gnosticism is it's an early mystical form of Christianity that's just really bizarre and very shamanistic and stuff and it sort of precedes like alchemy and then Christianity it's uh, something that's kind of been on my mind for whatever reason. It's just like an odd topic, like a trivia thing. Um, and it'll come back in the story in a little bit. Um, but I, you know, mainly my motivation for uh, for trying to work hard on this trip is uh, Iowa, obviously. And I almost a while back thought, well, we might be actually, you know, of more use in Iowa or one of the other primaries because I thought this New Hampshire one was going to be one that Bernie really knocked out of the park. But, uh, you know, obviously as soon as Iowa happened, I realized what they were going to try to do. And that made me feel really grateful that, that Kate organized this trip to begin with, because I would have been too lazy and disorganized to ever get my ass down here, you know? And, uh, the thing about Iowa is that, and the thing that I kept trying to explain to these people who kept saying that, they didn't want to vote in the primary. They just wanted to see if Bernie won is that that is, uh, we can't do it. We can't afford to do it because what is actually happening is you're becoming a victim, uh, a victim of this, this narrative they're trying to manufacture as like a self-fulfilling prophecy. They're trying to will something into existence and how they do that and how they fuck us is with, uh, the media. And a lot of people have been arguing with me about this online and saying like, Oh, that's a conspiracy theory, you know? And, I think it's funny that the people that have been talking about how every single thing that they don't like is, uh, you know, a Russian chaos agent, etc., for a fucking three years straight suddenly are skeptics about conspiracy theories. But they do have a point, which is that we tend to use the narratives of conspiracies selectively and project them onto things that are sort of, like, helpful to us, you know? And uh, the truth lies somewhere in the middle. I think probably what happened in Iowa is that due to just the sheer um, you know, what do you call it, like uh, incompetence of neoliberal like tech worshipping ideologies and stuff like that, they did, you know, use an app that then fucked up, but then they were able to take advantage of that situation and use media and the spin in exactly the right way to solve a problem that looked like, I didn't know how the fuck they were going to fuck over Bernie in Iowa, you know? It seemed like he would just win. Uh, but what they did was create this thing that, you know, since the one thing that would that would ruin it for them was the ending, they stopped the ending from happening. The night of the Iowa caucus, I remember having a really vague existential just, like, uneasiness because I was getting drunk and stuff, and I was trying to go around to different parties, and I had a show, Crazy David Spectre threw together, and I remember just feeling really, really exhausted at the end of it because it just never ended. It felt very tantric or, you know, like, just like a tr like I was on acid or something, and it was just like, oh my god, like, this just feels like it's never gonna fucking end, and it started to build a lot of dread in me, and then I realized that's how the they're going to do this. They're going to uh, to 
caught, you know, basically create a situation where we never know what happened. And because we never know what happened, combined with Pete just going ahead and saying he won, he then affects future voters whose votes, like we saw, were hinged on the concept of electability. He won himself over voters by lying and telling them that he already won. So that's insidious and that's evil. And I really hate it about Mayor Pete and the media and, you know, the whole apparatus. Um, anyways, something weird happened right after that. Um, well, I mean, I, after that in my notes. Okay. Uh, so moving forward a little bit, we did this podcast episode last week with Dave Anthony. And one thing that was really funny about it was, uh, this Christian cult that we found called, uh, uh, or dominionists that, uh, formed a group like an anti climate group called resisting the green dragon. If you listen to our show, you probably remember it. Um, it was really funny. And I was just saying, you know, resisting the green dragon to myself all the, you know, all the time. Um, and it was a Christian cult, which is weird because I had the Gnosticism thing on the brain. And they were post-structuralists, which is a weird note uh, because I had, like, Jill Deleuze on the brain, who is a uh, post-structuralist thinker who believes in, you know, this thing called rhizome theory that's, like, fucking... Uh, it's all sorts of crazy. I'll Hopefully I'll understand it well enough at some point to talk about it on this show. But, um, you know, I just had this dragon thing on the brain. And... It kept popping out to me. I know. I know this is crazy. It just, I kept seeing dragons all week. I kept noticing this, this thing, like, um, you know, there's a thing that people report, like, right before they have, like, schizophrenic breaks with reality, where they just start seeing, like, synchronicity everywhere. Like, they just keep saying this, seeing the same shit, like the letter L or something, like that movie, the number 23, you know? And it's like, well, that shit is always just out there. You just never notice it all at the same time. But I was just having this crazy week where I was just like, dragons, dragons, dragons everywhere. And um, then, like, you know, a couple days ago... I sat down to play Magic the Gathering with my friend Blake, who uh, is a good friend of mine who is trying to stay sober right now, and I hope he doesn't mind me like dragging too much of his dirty laundry you know into him this. from the Iran episode. Yeah, he's my friend that I yelled at about Star Wars. Dragging him too much into this. <laughs> yeah. And uh, some listeners and some Twitter people, some fans, uh, mailed me a bunch of uh, Magic the Gathering cards because I had tweeted about how I was trying to, like, you know do sober shit with my friend and like we used to just get drunk all the time but one thing that really helps is uh playing nerd games because we just we both really like them so we randomly threw two decks together and we started playing them and mine was a night deck actually somebody sent me that i played the night deck that one of you guys sent me um and thank you guys very much that was all very sweet you know um and then he threw together this random deck that was just made out of dinosaurs, right? And so the whole time I was like, man, I'm a knight and I'm fighting a dinosaur. Oh my god, I'm slaying a dragon, right? I was like, why do these dragons keep coming into my fucking brain, right? Um, Blake also had a heart attack, like Bernie. Like, all this synchronicity shit is just like, it's, you know, it's coming into my head as a, as a joke writer. Because I'm someone who will make fun of him and call him Bernie Sanders because he had a heart attack and shit. Um, why is Reaper acting like this? Okay, um... Probably because we're bouncing around in a car. Um, anyways, so I also had synchronicity on the brain. And when we left to go off to New Hampshire, I noticed that our own Anders Lee is reading a Philip K. Dick book, right? And uh, if you listen to the show and you know Anders, this is maybe a little uncharacteristic. It jumped out to me because I was like, you know, Anders is usually reading some large tome about, you know, history or Ralph Nader or something weird like that, you know? So I was like, man, Philip K. Dick. Anders has an angular way of thinking. <laughs> yeah. And an angular face. <laughs> you were about to say dick, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and he has an angular dick. 
So an angular <laughs> dick. I'm driving. <laughs> so I'm fucking. Uh, man, bumps fucking up my recording. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what they're doing. Anyways, no, no, my joke list just came up. Hey, if you're listening, you got to repave 95 because this is unreasonable. <laughs> I minute. mean, it looks straight, but it's like we're bouncing all over the place right now. Minute, we got to be near the WWE building by now, right? Um, we're outside oh Stanford. That do that fucking bump caused me to delete my notes, but I found them. Oh, thank goodness. Jesus Christ. Um, the recording's okay? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Everything's good. Back to driving. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, this is getting somewhere, I swear. Um, so... Yes, yeah, it kind of weirded me out. I kind of felt like I was like a little like I was really hungover and I was kind of losing my shit a little bit. And I was like, I'm having a synchronicity thing about synchronicities, like Philip K. Dick. What? Ah, you know. Um, and I was kind of hungover, and because uh, I've just been working a lot and drinking late at night and stuff. And uh, when we were, you know, cramming in the car to come down here, I had to stop and get some Dramamine, which is a thing that I haven't taken since I was a kid, but I know what it is: it's a motion sickness uh, drug, right? And um, all I remember from taking it as a kid is that you take it and then you don't get motion sickness in the car. Um, but it turns out it has a side effect that I forgot about. Um, if you've ever been to like Erowid, if you were ever that type of person uh, when you were younger or now, um, there's this drug database website where people like, you know, it, it's a forum where people would like write to each other different ways to get high off of Home Depot supplies and shit or like... Uh, if you find a pill, you can look it up on Eurowid, and it'll tell you what it is, you know, because they have, like, codes on them and stuff. And I remember reading and laughing really hard at one point, because um, if you take too much Dramamine and you, you do that to trip on purpose, you have a hallucination, and everyone who does it has the same hallucination. There's this uh, phenomenon called common hallucinations. Uh, everyone just sees dead people. It's really fucking weird, and, like, everyone on Eurowood is like, never doing that again, because it made me see a bunch of dead people. Like, people you knew who died, or, like, just bodies, like zombies? Like Pirates of the Caribbean skeletons? I mean, hallucinations are hard to explain, so I want to say just, like, yeah, vague, like, skeletons, but those people could have meant anything. I don't know. They may have looked like skeletons, but that was actually all of the survivors of the United 93 crash. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I never personally experienced it, really, so I don't know what, you know, what it really, what they meant, but I, it sounded funny as shit to me when I was a kid. I was just like, oh my God, there's a drug you can take that just sends you to the Greek underworld, you know? Um, Hades. Yeah. <laughs> so... There's this weird thing, uh, this concept of uh, common hallucinations that another drug makes you have, uh, ayahuasca, right? And I was thinking about ayahuasca, and then suddenly I was like, Iowa, ayahuasca. Oh my god, it keeps happening. This is, if this sounds insane, I was. This is why I was tripping and I was writing all this shit down. Um, <laughs> but uh, ayahuasca causes you. Supposedly, a, a lot of people have this common hallucination where they talk to a fucking serpent, a talking serpent, and that's the trip that ayahuasca gives you. Ayahuasca is what a DMT is derived from. A serpent is a dragon, okay? And, uh, <laughs> and like Elizabeth Warren has the fucking snake emoji thing, and uh, it's just fucking weird, right? She's a dragon too. Everything's a goddamn dragon. Um, you know, and we're talking about death, and, you know, we're, we're talking about the. Or, uh, where to go? Okay, just making sure we're still going. You know, we're here on behalf of our dead friend and everything, and, um, 
I don't know. The whole thing was just getting really fucking weird, and then we stopped. And I wasn't really tripping at this point, but when we stopped and got out of the car, I realized, oh, you're not supposed to get out of a moving vehicle while you've taken a bunch of Dramamine, because what it's doing is keeping your inner ear bones or something, like, from doing a certain thing. That right, it keeps your inner ear bones from doing um, uh, a gyration. Is that what it does? It's called inner ear gyration. It actually grounds the ear bones. And when you're up there... Uh, it's the, one of the only ways to keep the ear bones all the way down into the bottom of the floor of the brain. Are you, is this real? Yeah. <laughs> oh. If it wasn't real, why would I say it? Because I thought you were going into a bit. No, it also wasn't real. I was just uh, God damn it. <laughs> you said ear bones, and I thought it was funny. <laughs> you have tiny bones in your ears that, like, maintain your balance and shit. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that part I know. I'm not a doctor. Um, I don't know. I am a doctor. <laughs> He's a son and of a I'm doctor, driving. <laughs> <laughs> so, we got out of this fucking car to go eat the other night, and we went to this Chinese food place, or it was like a fusion place or something, and, um, as soon as we got out, I felt like I was on so much, like, Molly or Acid or Xanax or something. Like, I started to get sick to my stomach and just dissociate and shit. It was really fucking weird. And, uh, then we were talking about, like... Benel uh, dressing up as a Dragon Ball Z character, and I was like, Dragon! And, uh, you know, I don't know, we go into this fucking restaurant, and we sit down, and we eat, and I open my fortune cookie at the end of it, and it was the weirdest fortune cookie I've ever received in my fucking life. It read exactly this. Slaying the dragon of delay is no sport for the short-winded. It was... (laughs) really weird right and i was already like tripping so i was like what the fuck does this mean you know and um i just i was like oh my god also more dragons right and uh i just kept thinking about the synchronicities and stuff and uh all this weird shit that was happening and then i remembered something about philip k dick that that uh was the reason i i think i got so freaked out by anders having that book which is that uh, there's a story about him, and it's explained in the end of the movie Waking Life, if you've ever seen it. But uh, Philip K. Dick had this um, uh, this experience when he was writing this book called Flow the Policeman's Tears, where he um, had writer's block, and he couldn't figure out what to do about his book, because the book's about like some guy who's like a cop or something, and then his like, wife's cheating on him, and then there's this third person or whatever. And uh, so he goes out to this party to like take a load off, and he's talking to somebody at the party, and... He realizes, like, uh, or the guy asks him, like, what's, you know, how's it going? He's like, ah, I just have writer's block. I'm just writing this book. Here's what it's about. And then, uh, and he realizes as he's talking to the guy, the guy's a cop and his wife's cheating on him. And there's this third guy. And he's like, holy shit, you're in my book. Like, how did I do this? You know? And this is when he's starting to have a break with reality and, like, you know, start just developing all these delusions. Philip K. Dick, if you know anything about him, uh, near his later life, he goes completely crazy. And, He's like, what the fuck? You know, how did I write a bunch of people in a thing set in the future that's hypothetical and then they exist in real life simultaneously? So he freaks out and he goes to a priest and he's describing this story to the priest. And he's saying, I wrote this book and it's about this guy. And he's a cop and his wife's cheating on him. And then, uh, and then I met him and the books and the priest stops him and he says, uh, you're describing the book of Acts. That is a book that's in the Bible. There's a cop and his wife's cheating on him. And then yeah, and he's like, what the fuck? Like, I had never read the book of Acts. So I don't know how I wrote it without having ever read it and then meet, met people that were uh, in the book, right? And so he's freaking out. 
And uh, Did they have cops in Bible times? I think it was like, you know, somebody who fucking... Like a Roman soldier like or something? Like an archetype of a cop type thing. Um, like vaguely a similar position of authority or you something. You couldn't make a badge back then. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I also don't know exactly what the plot of that is. The cop thing is just a placeholder. But there might be, you know, cops in the Bible. They have those big feathery hats. I don't know. I'll never, I'll never read it, man. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, he keeps talking to the priest, and the priest is like, "Well, have you heard? Of, have you ever heard of Gnosticism? Have you ever heard of like Gnostic uh, Christianity?" And he goes, "No," and he explains it to him. And the thing about Gnostic Christianity is that it's all set around this, um, this myth or this story, whatever you want to call it, um, that happens right at the moment of the crucifixion so you know they go to crucify christ and then what happens is a time demon appears and knows that all of humanity will be saved if christ is crucified so the way that he stops it from happening is casting a time spell the moment before the crucifixion and everyone is stuck in that moment and that's the whole point of Gnosticism. If you're a time demon, that's one of your main spells too. Yeah, it's the highest level one you have. It's the most powerful one but it's also like your whole thing and there's almost no way around it except outside of time. The only spells you have up until the game are like, um, uh, you know, weird buffs and shit. You can do dispel. You can do... uh, Doesn't work very well. Barrier. Uh-huh. You can cast Bahamut. Yeah. Bahamut is a fire demon. He's more powerful than the time demon. Yeah, you have to... Bahamut? Bahamut. You can cast Bahamut. Bahamut Zero. It's that's, a demon in shorts. It's a Final Fantasy summon that's just the Bahamut, mm-hmm. but they're from space. He lets the dogs out. <laughs> it does the highest amount of damage. So the myth here is about this demon who is preventing us from being saved uh, in the only possible way by trapping us in time. and But we still perceive time as having moved past the event and so we all just think well it just didn't happen and now we exist in reality and the whole point of Gnosticism I guess back then was like to fucking get figure that out and shit and kill the time demon or whatever and uh I was thinking about this and then it occurred to me like what the fuck does this dragon of delay thing mean and I was like oh delay the delay is the manufacturing of consent. The delay is... Oh, the, the Iowa results. Right, exactly. And that's what I was feeling the night of uh, the Iowa results when I was like, it feels like this moment is supposed to end and it's just not ending, right? So my... By know, this moment, like, you, you mean the, the the moment of delay around the Iowa results or like this moment where okay, I don't know things if you are listen, stuck we're in about our history? The crucifixion of Christ. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the moment... Right before it. No, I heard that. I mean, look. I was just trying to follow along. I'll shut up now. It's a spell. No, I mean. You can't follow my insane scribbled notepad thing? (laughs) (laughs) No, no. That is like the the metaphor I'm making here. Like this moment. But I was, I guess my, my actual question is, are you, are you expanding the metaphor to this entire moment of history? Uh, maybe on like a larger level because that is how they end waking life is they go this is just the moment there's one moment but what I'm really doing here is drawing a ridiculous parallel between the demon stopping time at the moment of the crucifixion to help to stop us from being saved by Jesus to the demon of Pete Buttigieg and the media the dragon itself being that uh, stopping time and stopping it in a sense to keep us from being saved by our big uh, socialist boy the dragon must kill the rat yes exactly the dragon must kill the rat there's a lot to think about there I mean I realize this too is that the snakes eat rats 
So if Warren drops out, the snake would eat the rat of Buttigieg, hopefully, if her supporters put Bernie over the top. U2 has a song called Stuck in a Moment, where you can be stuck in a moment, but they won't endorse the IRA. And actually think Americans have a callously uh, uh, far away uh, perspective of the whole conflict and take more radical positions than they would have in Ireland. I I love it. They're not wrong. Um, Do they have dragons over there? I don't know. Um... I stopped seeing dragons after the Dramamine wore off, by the way. Oh, they're still around. <laughs> I was tripping so hard. I couldn't sleep, and so I was just tying all this together in my head. And, you know, I was, like, not actually having a break with reality, I don't think, or at least not now that the, the Dramamine has wore off. But I was just like, whoa, you know, this is such a fucking... This is a, a weird fucking... Uh, I could do something with this. I don't know. Um... But the thing that it also made me laugh about realizing that the, the, the dragon of delay is the media apparatus and Pete Buttigieg and all of them is that it said we could not fight it by being short-winded. And we're a bunch of fucking comedians and none of us motherfuckers are short-winded. This podcast is an hour and a half long already. So that's what made me feel really good about going out with crazy-ass David Spector and, uh, you know, all of you and uh, not feeling afraid to talk to these motherfuckers about what's going on. And... All of this made me feel really good, and it immediately put me back into a moment that I've just been dwelling on this whole time, which is that we drove out here, and, uh, you know, when we got here, it was it was dark, and somebody, while we were all sucked into our phones and fighting with fucking evil people on Twitter and shit, uh, somebody happened to throw on... Um, that song Farewell Transmission that oh, I played, put that on. and I figured it was you, I think, um, but it just kind of, like, I, it took me by surprise, because that song is so fucking heavy with meaning now, you know, after Raghav's funeral and everything, and um, when I was listening to it, there's this long refrain where he's talking about, you know, the, the long, dark blues and everything, and we were coming down this hill right into fucking Keen as it was happening, it was kind of pulsing, and I just felt like we were just, like... I felt really good about the fact that we were just, like, descending into the fucking black night of this place to, uh, you know, to do this thing. And, uh, to do this thing and to fight this, uh, dragon I constructed in my head that isn't just, like, Pete Buttigieg or, uh, you know, Warren or any of them, but it's the whole apparatus it's the whole collective thing altogether that's working against us that we had come here you know collectively to fight and as i was thinking about all this the dramamine is just pulsing harder and harder and i kept thinking about that fucking thing from irawood where it's saying like you you know you're hallucinating in a way that's causing you to like visit the dead you know but i didn't take enough i didn't take enough to like full-on just lose my mind and do that i felt like i was halfway there so i just had this vague feeling the whole time um of uh you know and especially because there's a lot of emotions running and i was thinking about how none of this would be happening if Raghav hadn't brought us together like that that i just had this really intense feeling that he was in some way even if not literal because you know none of us necessarily believe in that sort of thing uh, but in like a figurative sense and in the way the reality sort of bends when you're tripping like that even in a metaphorical sense or just like in the fact that we're all like experiencing something like this and talking about it that he was uh, like present 
that this is when I fell asleep. That's the end of the story. <laughs> but um, I don't know, man. I just fucking love you guys. That's it. Yeah, man. I had a great time. Thanks for thanks for coming yeah. out, everybody. It was really, it was it was beautiful on many many levels. I Thank I'm you. not too cool to be earnest about the fact that you know every once in a while something happens that's very moving, and I think it's very moving that we all did this together. Me too. In our last bonus episode, I heard that you guys were going and then invited myself to come along immediately after, <laughs> and I'm so glad that I did. I'm so glad, too. It was really nice to be, like, all together. Yeah. Yeah, Andrew's Lee here. <laughs> yeah. To um, end on something a little funny. Um, That's not what we do here. That's not what we do here. <laughs> I feel like we somehow browsed right over uh, the organizer uh, trying to... <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> that was a, that was the story I was trying to remember the whole time. It was Alex, really funny. Alex, do you want to take this one? No, organize. When we when he realized who Jake was. Okay, yeah. So just a little um, cleanser after a moment of deep thought. So uh, we're in the organizing office, and uh, everybody's got like this good energy going. We're just getting our routes, and we're stepping out. And uh, Kate's there, and she's filling out a form. And the head guy looks at her, and he goes. Oh, are you Kate Willett? And she's like, yeah, I'm Kate. And she goes, oh, okay. Is Jake here? And Jake is standing next to Kate. And he's like, oh, that's me. I'm Jake. You know, kind of this moment where we're like, oh, we're meeting fans. That's pretty cool. And so there's like this oh, moment. another one. This moment where we're just like, oh, we're going to say hi or whatever. And then without a even moment of doubt, this man looks at Jake and goes, do you know Chapo Trap House? <laughs> <laughs> Can you get me Chapo Trap? There wasn't like a, I love your podcast. There wasn't like, I think you're funny. It was just like, hey, I know you know some other guys and I'd love to meet them. Yeah. And that's what this trip is all about. Bringing people together. Bringing people Chapo Trap House. <laughs> we didn't oh, deliver on that. I do. Did we, we did. not? Can I say one more thing? I think we actually did. It, it was very heartening to see, because I last when I went to Iowa and this weekend in New Hampshire, I saw uh, friends and faces I know from left Twitter uh, canvassing both places, and it's nice to know that some people are not just posting. They are doing the work in real life, and, you know, I uh, meet people that uh, listen to all these uh, lefty podcasts, and I, I just... It makes me realize that, like, even though online is weird, like, it's and not quite real, like, there there is an actual, it is, it is somewhat related, actually, to an actual community that we have among one another. Yeah. yeah. We're a beautiful community of dragons and dragon slayers, We're and all, all of you need to go get out the vote, or else our future is destroyed. Thanks so much for listening to our car casual cast. What did I call it? I don't remember. Uh, I don't remember. Car Road canvas Road. cast. That's car right. We will be doing the main time we're canvassing in a car. And uh, the time has come to shift right back from <laughs> neutral to park. <laughs> so I want to thank you for tuning in and have a blessed drive. We didn't crash, everybody. And we're going to play the NWA clip where it goes, stop, 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 stop. And then it crashes, but not the part where they say the N-word. I'm not going to do any of that. i got Great. too much work to do when I get home. Uh, maybe I will. All right, Alex, it's finished. <laughs>